I'm Corey Crenshaw. And I'm Richie Suave. Just kidding. I'm Kat Silverman. <laughs> and this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in, everyone. As you can tell, um, Richie is not here. I mean, Richie could have gotten a gender change. You know, that it's a very fluid day nowadays. So, you know. I don't think I sound be. quite like him. Yeah, that is true. That is true. You know, Richie um, was being a hard worker today, so we gave him the night off, and so now you're dealing with us. But now it's an it's an all female podcast tonight, so it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it, we that is a rarity in the hockey world. So you know, it's nice. It's nice to be able to have have a girls' night per se, and just be able to sit around and talk about hockey. Because yes, even you know, people don't necessarily talk about it as much, but to the contrary, women do sit around and talk about hockey. We are just the same in that way. Um, we just don't uh, like to whip it out, per se, and and shove it in everyone's faces all the time. We don't like to paint our faces when we talk about it yes. quite as much as guys do. So we now have, um, we're doing that. We're also, it's what, 9.13 and we're drinking coffee. So if you hear me pausing, it's because I'm drinking coffee at night. And, um, which is also not different for us either, because we do this actually relatively often. Um, what was it last time? We had Mexican food and coffee last time? Yes. So that was... Yes. I don't know if uh, your listeners got to hear about that, um, from poor Richie, who who might still have a touch of PTSD from, uh, coming home to a girls' night and, uh, walking in on us eating Mexican food, drinking coffee, and watching Outlander, which we hadn't been watching until he walked up the stairs. Um, we, what, we had it paused, um, and we were watching King of Staten Island um, with Pete Davidson, and as soon as we heard Richie coming up, we turned on probably the raunchiest scene in in the Outlander series, which if any of the listeners watch that... Um, it's it's a pretty raunchy show from start to finish. We found the raunchiest scene and uh, let him walk in on it. Uh, bless his heart. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's a pretty good segue into the fact that Richie and I had planned for today because I had tweeted out, um, I have a really bad habit of re-watching the same movies over and over again. Can I and guess what they are? Yeah, sure. Is it the Fast and Furious? I do. And Step Brothers. <laughs> I, I I do rewatch the Fast and Furious a lot. Um, Step Brothers. The funny part is only when it's on. So it's not like I if it's on live TV, I'll I will watch it. Um, that is that is definitely one. Um, you know one of them. The probably the one that I rewatch the most. You would probably know that one because it's not Fast and Furious. No. When when we get drunk and it's late at night. Oh, Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect too. There you go. <laughs> All I needed was when we get drunk and it's late at night. Yeah. Was um, it New Year's Eve last year? The yes. Because I'm old. Um, and so on New Year's Eve, like instead of turning up, I was I became one with a beanbag on your floor 
or like a giant. It's a giant bean... giraffe. That, yeah, the giant. That, <laughs> the that giant, Scotty won me at. The uh, giant beanbag giraffe. Why am um, I saying won me? He won it for himself. It just sits in our house. But I mean, like, he won a giant giraffe in one of those uh, bottle ring tosses. They'd given him, like, a big thing of the the little rings. And he's like, why do they give you so many chances at this? And I go, because it's hard. Like, they're really close together. Like, it's hard for people to do it. Look at this couple over there. I was like, look at this couple over there. They're already, like, two-thirds away through their bucket. He threw three. And then And got it. it (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. And Let's go. (laughs) So he got it on the third try. And then he was like, see, I don't get the point. Why do they give you this many tries? And I was like... Because you're a freak of nature. Not many people actually get it that quickly. And then he he goes, well, what do we want to get? And I was like, get the giant giraffe. Well, then we were carrying like, it's basically like a massive pillow pet, right? Right. Kat and I were both on this thing. So it's a, and we were carrying it around. And then like, we were with my family. So like, at one point, my parents like, were holding on to it. Like we walked back up to them. And it looked like a full like human being was sitting on them next to this bench. So it's huge. It's massive. But yeah, that was a whole side story to go on with what you were saying. That was yeah, I I basically just uh, I melted in I became one with that giant giraffe pillow pet. Um, And I think I stayed awake for most of Pitch Perfect too. But um, yeah. Um, instead you, of drinking, we we turned that on. Well, we'd already drank until midnight, but then I we turned that on, and I just kind of curled up on your your living room floor and what, enjoyed the movie. Did you did you end up sleeping on my living room floor that time? I don't know. I think I, I moved to the guest bedroom at some point. I didn't sleep on your bedroom floor that year though. But that's another story. Yeah, that was that um, was a whole another year. That was because we had a lot of people sleeping in a lot of different places <laughs> in that house. So Kat ended up sleeping on the floor. She also may have left the house in my boyfriend's uh, youth hockey jacket as well. It was a, yeah, that was the year before last was, was something else. Yeah. 2018 to 2019. Yeah. That was something else. I had no idea what was coming. Yeah. But yes, the moral of that story is uh, you watch Pitch Perfect a lot. Yes. Um, I watch Pitch Pitch Perfect too. I have it like actually in my, um, library on apple tv so i can like stream it wherever too so like everywhere i'm at i can just watch pitch perfect too like whenever wherever so it's a weird addiction that's beautiful but it's and, and it's very personal to me in the fact that like it, if there was a character that was probably the most similar to me out of like everything i've ever watched um probably secondary would be veronica mars but first would be becca mitchell in pitch perfect and if there's anything that ever describes mine and Kat's friendship, it is Becca Mitchell and Fat Amy because it's like it's very 100% accurate with us because uh, there's actually like the scene where she said, do you need some of my butt confidence? And she starts like wiping her butt and then wiping it on her and saying that she's giving her butt confidence. It literally just gives me like cat flashbacks every time I watch that scene. I think the only time you've ever associated me with a character more was when we saw the new Charlie's Angels and you saw Kristen Stewart <laughs> in that and you were like oh this is you so yeah that that was yeah if there was one, one other character that absolutely it was definitely that one that was its own shocking thing I think that was like one of the last movies we did as like a whole group before 
COVID. COVID. Yeah. I would, I would argue that's correct. Yep. Dang. It's been a long time, but so I have a, a strange addiction to that. The, I have a whole list of them that um, I will go through on next episode with Richie, which will be on Thursday since we do two of these a week now. Um, but I wanted to go over some comfort shows because I don't particularly do this. I watch a, a show all the way through and I will absolutely love them. Like, I love the show Chuck. I love the show Veronica Mars. Like, I kind of relived it when I had Richie watch it after me. But, like, I don't really rewatch things. Um, I got very addicted to um, Vampire Diaries. But even that, like, once I watched it, I'm never really watching it again. I don't know why I, I don't get into it the same way. Um, I did rewatch Arrow once. I, Only once? That's, that's like your favorite show. I know. Um, and like, and I'll watch like certain episodes that I like. Like soon as we got up to like the election and that whole thing was getting just really like tense everywhere and everything on TV was very fun to watch. I was watching a lot of rewatching Arrow. But um, there's a lot of them I, that I just don't. But I know that I know for a fact that you do because you yeah. watch them with us. So, I, I will. I will rewatch shows. Um, I'll tell Corey to watch a show and I'll say, rewatch it and I'll watch it alongside you, but not, I don't live with her. So I'll rewatch it at my own house. Um, <laughs> and then Richie will notice me watching it and I'll say, oh, do you want to watch this? I'll rewatch it with you. And so we are at the same house. So I'll rewatch it in person with him too. So there are a couple of shows that I've probably watched. Mm. I would say there are only a few shows that I've watched six or seven times, but I've definitely rewatched. Um, like I've rewatched One Tree Hill three times, and that's that's an endeavor because that's a nine oh yeah a nine season show, and that's that's the CW. So uh, that was the only one of the only crossovers from the WB to the CW. Um, so it was what twenty two to twenty four episodes every season. Um, I've redone Friday Night Lights. I, I think only three times, so um, that's only five seasons, so that's not that bad. Um, I tell myself as I rock in a corner. Um, I've still never <laughs> seen Friday Night Lights, but you and Richie reference it, it. <laughs> <laughs> reference it a lot. Um, I've rewatched, um, let's see, I rewatched Skins um, by myself. I actually owned the first couple seasons of that uh, on Amazon Prime because pre- and this is going to date me, but pre-streaming era, when there was, when you could stream shows, but there really wasn't Hulu at that point. Um, HBO, you kind of could have it if you had premium cable, and I don't think they'd even introduced it as a streaming option at that point. Um, it was pretty much just Netflix, um, which didn't have a ton on it at that point. Um, it had a couple popular shows, and then and then a bunch of really obscure movies. Um, I I purchased skins um, because I couldn't LimeWire it well enough on my computer. <laughs> I feel like that like is starting to age us. I'm really dating myself. I'm really dating myself here. Um, but yeah, so I I own it. I've rewatched it a bunch of times. I got Richie to watch the first season with me because uh, anyone who has ever watched Skins, I don't know if I've gotten you into that one, Corey. Mm -hmm. um, it was. If Degrassi was the launching point for every Canadian actor between the age of 25 and 40, 
Skins was that for British actors. Um, Nicholas Holt from X-Men, and he's currently in Alexander. Or, yeah, the the Russian show. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Kaya Scodelario, she was in Maze Runner. She was in Spinning Out on Netflix. Um, I, I don't even remember her name, but the girl who played uh, Samuel Tarly's girl, the wildling, um, oh. on Game of Thrones. She was from Skins. Uh, it's not, Daniel, it's not uh, the one that's married to... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly look John up Snow skins. in real life. No, no, no that's no. Rose Rose Leslie. She wasn't in it. So Kaya Scodelario, Nicholas Holt, Hannah Murray. That's it. Um, Dev Patel from Slumdog Millionaire. He was in Skins at one point. Um, my absolute favorite, Joe Dempsey, who played Gendry on Game of Thrones. He was in Skins. Um, Jack O'Connell. He was in a. He was in something recently. Uh, with uh, he he's been in Godless since 2017. Uh, Luke Pasqualino, who's in the Three Musketeers. Um, oh, what are some of the others? It basically, if there's a super popular British actor actress, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, um, was in it at one point. But did um, it produce a Drake? It did not produce Drake, but one could argue that uh, I mean, it had Daniel Kaluuya and Dev Patel. At the same time. Okay. With Joe Dempsey, who played Gendry. It doesn't get much better than that. It really doesn't. Um, <laughs> so I rewatched that with Richie. Um, oh, what are some of the other good ones I've rewatched? I've basically, if there's a show that I've really enjoyed um, when I'm feeling like. Like, the U.S. is kind of a lot to handle. I'll rewatch it. Um, I've redone Sense8. Uh, I've redone Elite, um, the Spanish-language show. I Part of it is that I'll rewatch a show when a new season comes out because I don't want to forget crucial details from season to season. So if it's a show that I'm binging, I'll only rewatch it if it's, like, iconic good. But if it's a show that... Like Game of Thrones, I rewatched season one before season two, season one and two before three, and so on and so forth. Um, I wouldn't want to relive some of Game of Thrones. There were a couple episodes that I skipped over for sure, um, but for the most part, I would rewatch just to because there was so much going on in that show, and there would be big breaks in between the seasons. Um, just that I didn't forget anything. Um, so shows that I really like, I'll rewatch. Um, Sorianen, uh, Border Town, the Finnish show that I watch, I'll rewatch because I'm not entirely sure I'm getting everything the first time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I rewatch a lot of shows. Um, the way that you are with movies, I I can probably count on one hand the number of movies that I'll consistently rewatch, and usually it's only when they're on. So like, other than introducing Richie who hadn't watched any of the good mid-2000s movies um he hadn't watched Step Up he hadn't watched She's the Man he hadn't watched uh oh what's the other one we ended up watching uh we watched something else we watched um, Ocean's Eleven we watched Ocean's Eleven he hadn't seen that one yet um we did something right before Step Up that he hadn't seen well Fast Um, and the Furious Fast and and the Furious we did John Tucker Must Die he hadn't seen any of like the like this staple like generic 
comedies from from the early to mid 2000s wait seen any of them did wait so has has he gone through any of the ones in like the any of the nine like the typical 90s ones the like, 90s ones like not yet like american, american pie? pie i think he'd already seen american pie oh that's Richie, have you seen american pie no okay. oh maybe that'll be next on our yeah. list he hasn't seen american pie okay so um. the next on our list is probably gonna be american pie yeah no uh he he is currently working in the other room he so he is around he's just not yeah, he's in here. this room I'm just, I'm just taking his spot but no the only movies that i'll like consistently rewatch are goodwill hunting i've seen 60 bajillion quadrillion times um I'll rewatch Pitch Perfect with you because it's enjoyable, um, but I don't seek it out like I do some of the TV shows that I rewatch. Um, I've probably seen Step Up about forty times. Um, I've seen Step Up a few times. It got it kind of lost its same feeling once they, they got, got divorced. divorced. <laughs> it just felt a little bit strange once she was like That's pregnant fair. with someone else's kid and i was just like oh, i don't this think feels about weird. that i try not to think about well that. it's because i follow her on instagram and then it, it and i it's so funny because like you know you shouldn't be like that concerned with like someone else's life but like is it weird that i don't want to like instagram photos of of her kid that's with the other guy i'm just like no this doesn't feel right so i just don't like this so i would tell you to get help but i get it <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's like wow this is part of because like step up was like part of my childhood so like yeah, it was. Just, step up was i it kind of hurts to hear you say a part of your childhood i consider it a part of my formative like what, life. what year did it come out like 2005 okay i was in fifth that. grade that's my childhood <laughs> that's childhood step up if if whatever the year ended in that's what grade was. step up came out in 2006 Okay, when in 2006? Corey. Uh, August 11th, 2006. Okay, so then I was... So I was in high school. Okay, so August 2006. <laughs> so I would have been in seventh grade. Because I would have... 2006, 2007, I was... Okay. So not necessarily your childhood, but your your youth, your formative years. Yeah. It was a fantastic movie, though. Um, Rewatching it with Richie, I was reminded that Jenna Dewan Tatum is not... I guess now just Jenna Dewan. Um Not an incredible actress, but oh, a spectacular um, dancer. Yeah, I don't even... Phenomenal dancer. I pay so much attention to training Tatum in that movie. <laughs> I never even noticed her acting. I'm going to be honest with you. Don't think I've noticed that. It's kind of like there's a lot of really great actors in Wolf of Wall Street, which did you know Jonah Hill, like he, has, but, he he's cursed the most out of like any other actor, and it's because he cursed over a hundred times in that movie. It was 196 movie. times. You yes. know how I know that? Because Richie was watching the episode while I was getting ready for work. <laughs> um, there is a history of cursing. Um, Hosted by Nick Cage. Yeah, it was so super weird, but it, it's on Netflix, and, and, and they actually say that in there. But um, there's a lot of, like, good actors in Wolf of Wall Street that put, like, really good performances in it, and I feel like there's a lot of men that never have even noticed because they just loved Margot Robbie in it, and then that's it. So it's funny. I've actually, uh, I'm kind of enjoying reliving my adolescent cinematic experience through Richie because I'm, I have this like weird Jewish guilt, right? Like I, I hate making people sad, um, unless it's Donald Trump. Fuck that guy. Um, but 
it, whenever he's like, oh, you can pick what we're watching. I get this intense paranoia that he's not going to enjoy it. And for the listeners who have been listening to Richie for years now, you know, he's very passionate about some things, but he's very easygoing. And so if a movie is not garbage, he's going to enjoy it. Wonder Woman, he enjoyed it. Uh, Step Up, he enjoyed it. So, so far, I don't think I've picked a movie that he's been like, that was a waste of my time. But I'll sit there and rewatch the movie from the eyes of, is he going to hate me for putting this on? And so rewatching Step Up, I was like, how is the acting of this? And then I was like, she's not that great. I was like, she's not incredible. No. (laughs) It's the same thing when I watched Borat for the first time. You guys were staring Mm. at me so much during that movie. I I was so upset that you were going to hate it. I had to walk outside because I felt felt so much pressure to like it. And every time they they would laugh and they'd stare at me. And then I would just feel uncomfortable because I would get nervous going, wait a second. I didn't laugh at that. Was I supposed to laugh at that? I just didn't want to waste. I didn't want to waste your time. I didn't want to waste your evening. I hate wasting people's evenings. Um, But... um, one of I, I, I wonder I wonder when I don't even know when this one came out what um but one of the ones that I rewatch over and over and over and over again is bad boys 2 I don't know when the first one came out or when the second one came out bad boys 2 was 2003 oh my gosh 2003 uh-huh Jesus Christ. Did you watch it when it came out? Because you were nine. <laughs> I was going to say, probably not. Bad Boys came out in 95, so I'm positive you didn't watch that Because I was one. Out. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's um, no way. Um, but I rewatched that one over and over and over again. I don't know. If, Richie, have you watched Bad Boys? He's not going to answer us now. He's gonna just going to shun us. In fairness, he's trying to work right now. That is true. Uh-huh. He is trying to work. But um, that is another one that I... So if he hasn't watched the second Bad Boys, or the... They don't really... You don't have to watch them in order. No, you really don't. And I like the second one a lot better than the first one. Um, just well, because like, there's a... there's a the, the girl that's in it is very obnoxious in the first one. She fucking kills the movie for you in the first one. I'm sorry, but I'm dead honest. Well, you know what's funny is that... So when I was in... I guess I was in high school. Um, I had a friend who was kind of allowed to do whatever she wanted. Um, she just moved, like, upstate New York, wealthy upstate New York family. Um, so I'd go to go over to her house and basically do anything that I wasn't allowed to do at home, um, which meant watching whatever I wanted, um, going shopping at Zoomies. Um, her mom would let me buy things, too. Um, buying lots of Etnies t-shirts that my mom told me were overpriced and was right, but made me feel very cool. Um, but I remember we watched Be Cool and then we watched Get Shorty after that. And looking back on that, I don't know how I was allowed to watch that one at the time. Because, uh, Be Cool's I guess it's only rated PG-13, but I vaguely remember liking Be Cool more than Get Shorty. I've, I've and never seen either of them. And looking at it now, um, Get Shorty has an 88% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Be Cool has a 30. <laughs> so, but I think the moral of the story is uh, you like to rewatch movies 
And you like to watch good movies. I like trash. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed my first one that I ever watched at like friend's house. I definitely wasn't allowed to watch. I'm trying to think of the name of the movie. It's where he's like a normal high school student and he ends up dating this really attractive blonde and she ends up being a porn star. And, um, oh, I know what you're talking about. He gets into a situation where, uh, the guy that it's not risky business, but, uh, it's, it's a similar premise to it <laughs> as you say where it's not, I'm with looking this. To see she's, under... she's looking it up as we go uh, but that was my first one that i mean i watched coyote ugly but i wouldn't consider coyote ugly to be that terrible i mean all they do is just dance up on a bar but um i mean this one wasn't that terrible either but that was probably the first one it was definitely one of your typical like 90s early 2000s type movie if i can only remember what it was called. I can't remember what it was called either, and it's not showing up when I... So I looked up Risky Business, because it's, it's a similar concept, and I know exactly what movie you're talking about, but... uh, The Girl Next Door. That's it. 2004. So... It's, it's a porn star in it, right? Oh, wait. No, it's, a, it's Alicia Cuthbert. Okay, I was going to say. Not a, she's not a porn star. I was going to say, I didn't think it kidding. was. She's married to Dion Phaneuf. Sorry, Dion. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Just kidding. Um, that's so funny. <laughs> it really comes full circle there. That Well, that's uncomfortable. Luckily, he definitely doesn't listen to my I'm podcast. So. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I'm, I hope he's having a really great time right now. Um, and, until In retirement. Until all of a sudden... Um, People Timothy start... Oliphant was in that. I didn't. Oh, I didn't know remember that. that until people start coming out of the woodworks and then just start like tagging him and saying like, "Hey, your wife was called a porn By star." By the way, <laughs> if you snitch tag me calling Alicia Cuthbert a porn star, you get an auto block. Um, <laughs> but, anyways, um, that's okay. When we did our douche canoe from last week, uh, <laughs> Richie full blown subtweeted uh, Boochgrass. So he just put it put it on there, and I was like, it's probably better than tagging him, honestly. But um, you can tag him now. Uh, to to segue towards hockey, Butchagas doesn't he doesn't really have any shame um, because I quote tweeted him when he made his terrible like yeah, I that- love that the U.S. won gold. I think that's awesome. I'm super proud of them. Imagine taking away. From their shining moment by making everybody angry at you with comments about the US's healthcare, which is like bottom barrel stuff right there. Uh, but yeah, I, I quote tweeted it and um, he he still hasn't blocked me. He, he didn't comment on it, he didn't respond to it. Um, so, sorry. Are you, are you writing me love notes? No, I'm not writing you love notes. No, okay. I, I'm writing. I was pausing. I'm writing our um, our listeners' love notes. Uh, we we kind of go on these rants like this during our show, so we like to tell people when we start when talking, we start segueing. Yeah, so I love that. Um, I was just writing down when we actually start talking about hockey on this show, so you know. Yeah. Uh, fuck with you girls. Um, <laughs> so he was in our douche canoe. We So everyone else did on the network as if anyone 
who listens to us knows we are kind of the um i don't know the, the weirdos of the network in the fact that I don't think that's possible. I've been on the Bruins podcast. <laughs> I mean, they're... I can. Given they're new, we haven't had an after hours with them yet. But, like, on after hours, they will literally sit there and just, like, talk about, like, straight up hockey. And then Richie and I will come on, and then it's complete disaster after that. So um, we're always definitely like that all the time. So everyone put out their standings on how they thought all of the divisions would go. Um, and Richie and I instead decided to make up our own awards before the season. And, uh, we always like putting people in the douche canoe when they deserve to be in the douche canoe. And so on last episode, we put Booch Cross in the douche canoe for what he said, because, and, and I think my words exactly were bitch why. Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, like on a on a very serious note, uh, one of my running coaches, her husband's been in the ICU. He's he's on ECMO right now with COVID, and he is he's not the the sole breadwinner for their family. There, but they both work. But she's a contractor. She's she's a fitness coach. She's a personal trainer. So their health care is his because he teaches at a local public school and their healthcare runs out on January 31st. And if he's going to survive, he needs, he needs a lung transplant. And so my friend's been trying to sort of scramble around and figure out which, uh, which private healthcare plan they're going to be able to pick, um, which they're being given, you know, they have, this is obviously an extenuating circumstance. So they're able to pick a new healthcare plan, which is extremely fortunate, but trying to find one that's going to approve a transplant if if that's something that they're able to you know find find a donor for um that's crazy that this is a this is a middle class family they don't they're not on welfare they're not which isn't something that should preclude you from having health care but it's not like this is a family that has been trying to mooch off of everyone else they work 24 7 and just because of their circumstances uh happened to get unlucky. The whole family got COVID. Uh, the kids had mild flu symptoms. My friend got sick for about a week. Um, then she felt fine. Her husband started recovering and then all of a sudden he was in the hospital and he's been, he's basically been in a coma since Christmas. And so to then see someone talking about, well, we've got the good health care because we don't have wait lists for your elective knee surgery. Fuck off. Fuck off and die. Sorry. No. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's all I have to say about him. But but Spencer Knight, he was spectacular. <laughs> as bad as John Boutigross was, uh, Spencer Knight was fantastic. So that is my that is my rant. And then that is my my positive at the end of it. I like that. Nice. I like that tip of Good positivity. <laughs> you know, after the, you know, opening week of 2021, we definitely haven't had a lot of really great things. I mean, although by the time this podcast comes out, because we are recording it Sunday night and it will be, you guys will be listening on Monday, um, there will be only three more days until opening night of the Coyotes. So we are looking forward to at least a nice Coyote season. Um, They are allowing uh, a little over 3,000 fans Mm -hmm. into the arena. Uh, Do you have a 
an opinion on that or um i guess i'll i'll comment a little bit on uh for for the listeners who are on facebook and the arizona coyotes fan facebook group uh just so you guys know i'm a lurker there um i read everything you have to say so be nice um <laughs> but uh i saw that somebody had commented on the fact that um the team's basically making everyone fill out a questionnaire um they're using the same website that is essentially enables contact tracing if needed. And I like that. I think that's awesome. If you think about ideally, would we have no fans in the arena? Yes. I think that would be ideal um, from a health standpoint, talking about COVID and talking about what it looks like for people who get it and happen to suffer from the nastier side effects. It's not like, it's not like when you get a really bad, case of the flu and you're laid out for a couple of weeks it's you're you're hooked up to a ventilator and you might need new lungs very different it's like it's like polio um so ideally we'd have no fans but think about the last time any of you were at a coyotes game where they played against the florida panthers um <laughs> which i love both teams um i was at a florida panther i presented at the florida panthers analytics conference a couple years ago Great team. And Great Keith group of Yandel's people working on the there. Team. Keith, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a highlight. Roberto Luongo is currently part of their goaltending uh, development department. And Keith Yandel is there. Um, but <laughs> that's a team that has a lot of transient transplant fans, obviously. Coyotes have a lot of transplant fans because the city didn't hit a population of a million people until the 80s. Um, so, and we're currently at what, 4 million, something like that? Five, six, somewhere in that range. Um, so obviously a lot of transplant fans here too. Um, not a lot of them are transplanting from Florida. So at those games, you don't get a lot of fans, especially if it's a weekday game. Um, just because, you know, fans, tickets are expensive. If they're going to spend money on a ticket, they're going to do it against the team that that they moved from that state. Um, and those usually have an attendance of eight or 9,000 and it looks empty. It looks deserted. So thinking about 3,000 people in there, that sounds like a hell of a lot. I'm kind of worried about the bathroom situation and not in the same way that Ted Cruz worries about bathroom <laughs> situations. But I just from a, a standpoint of having people socially distanced as long as you enforce a mask policy and you have this checkpoint and you're using this contact tracing program i think that's about as good as it's going to get while still bringing in some revenue because our our owner alex morello most of his he has his hands in a lot of fires right now like he's he's cooking on a lot of stoves um and most of them are in the entertainment and service industry he owns casinos he owns restaurants he owns hotels he owns a hockey team <laughs> And all of them were impacted by COVID. So revenue has to come from somewhere. Um, I think I saw a lot of people that were pretty mad about it on Facebook. Cry harder. See if I care. Um, go ahead and fill out the survey. It asks you, it literally asks you if you've had a fever, if you've had a stuffy nose, if you have been exposed to somebody who has COVID, if you have tested positive, or if you've taken a COVID test recently. And if you answer all the questions correctly, you get to come into the game. 
And if you end up getting COVID, you're supposed to report it because that's a responsible thing to do. And they'll be able to check with everyone else who sat near you. It's it's that easy. That way you can still safely see hockey. And if you want to cry about the government tracking you, you're on Facebook. They're already tracking you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, there is technology in the fitness world that is where you can put in a like in a health club, you can put a a thing that will track your face that will say that they spent this much time on this treadmill, they spent this much time on this, they spent this much time on that. And it, it exists. It's out there. It may not be in like your gyms, but it, it is something that exists. I can promise. And people that. are mad about contact tracing for for a very, very deadly illness. Um, cry harder. Truly cry harder. People are able to track you more through your spending habits. If you use PayPal, if you use Venmo, if you use Facebook. But but I digress. Um, I think it's it's going to be an interesting season. Um, we've obviously already seen the Pittsburgh Penguins had to cancel a practice because of COVID precautions. Then they had a scrimmage today, which is a choice. Um, Dallas Stars are dealing with something. Um, I believe they have some games that are being pushed back. Uh, they've already tried to factor in for the fact that teams are inevitably going to have to do that in the schedule where I believe each team has about a week's worth of filler that they can potentially reschedule games. I think we're going to end up 56 games is an optimistic season. Um, I think we're going to have some teams finishing with 47 or 48 games. Look at, look at ASU football. They played what three games all year. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Something about that. It was much less. I think if we, if every team hits 45 games, we're going to be super lucky. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's exciting. We're we're getting to see hockey. Um, I think if teams don't make the playoffs this year, it's not something that should be read into. Um, kind of in the same way that the, at the World Juniors, I mean, Finland finished third, um, and they what was it last year? Not 2020, but like 2019 where they won like every single tournament on the men's and women's sides. The only reason they didn't win the women's world was because a goal got weirdly called back. Um, and they ended up finishing third because they had some players who weren't healthy enough to travel. Some players who hadn't gotten to play enough. Um, some guys who had gotten to play too much because they were filling in for hurt guys on or sick guys on their teams. Um, Germany had like six guys who could play the entire tournament. Um, their goalie's a saint. Uh, they didn't have coaches for part of the tournament. Um, Russia had some issues, I think. U.S. had some guys who weren't able to make it. Canada has some guys who weren't able to make it. Sure, we're going to see that in hockey, too. We just saw Corey Crawford retire. Um, Henrik Lundqvist is sick right now. Uh, with Obviously, he has a heart condition where he's currently undergoing open-heart surgery. Not a big deal. Um, guys like Michael Grabner still haven't decided if they're going to play the season. Um I'm sorry. I'm kicking Corey under the table, guys. That's all good. Um, So I think it's just a season, like, the epitome of uh, L.A. Rizgalov. It's only game where you have to be mad. Like, don't be mad. It's only game during coronavirus. Like, it's... People will be mad at nearly about everything, which actually brings me to the other thing I wanted to get your opinion on. And Richie and I only briefly talked about this, but it it kind of lit me up when I saw how much people were lit up on Twitter about it. <laughs> and which 
I love things that light you up. Go on. Yeah, it's it. It doesn't happen like too terribly often. Like I'm not one of those people that take like everything like very seriously. But I when I I just get really when I get annoyed by something, I really get annoyed by something. And this really annoyed the shit out of me was the people that were just so pissed about the sponsor situation. Mm. The fact that they had to start like bitching about the sponsor situation literally just threw me for a loop. Like you want to be able to watch some fucking hockey. This is what you have to deal with. Like, I mean, think about how popular soccer is. Soccer has been popular for forever and is so much more popular in so many other countries they have every country except for the u.s yes and I, like i mean we're the only ones that like literally call it soccer as well instead of football instead of football and you the only time that you actually play with your feet in football is when you are punting or if you are kicking your field goal so like why the we only call sport football? that has more fans is cricket and that's because India has, like, the world's largest population. Well, that's what, like, I mean, like, there's cricket. Soccer's, like. Polo. Oh, those are all, like. Soccer is truly, like, the world sport. Everybody yes. plays soccer. And nobody cares about the sponsor situation. And they have so many sponsors. So, like, this whole thing just irritated the shit out of me when it came out that all of the divisions are now going to have, um... Or that, that they now have sponsors attached to them. It really, to me, was like the best trade-off ever. I mean, I quote tweeted you about oh, absolutely. it. Um, but I, I figured I'd let you expand on that a little bit because it was... I went on a sh- small rant. But it was funny. Richie was like, we're not going to talk about it just like right now. And then I went on a small <laughs> rant. Like, I'm, I'm going to let you finish, but... <laughs> yeah, I definitely pulled the Kanye there and just like... Popped off as you yeah. should have. Uh, Remember how I said that everyone who's mad about the contact tracing can cry harder? Like, go ahead and bottle your tears. I'll drink them. Uh, if you're mad about the sponsors, seriously, I mean, cry harder. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's such a it's such a purest way of looking at things, and it's so stupid because back in the day when there weren't sponsors on. On jerseys, uh, professional sports was a very loose term. Uh, you were a professional athlete who, I mean, you you maybe got an apartment. Uh, back when Johnny Bauer, like the greatest goaltender to ever play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, when he was playing, he was he was an NHLer and he was living in people's homes. Um, that's professional sports is completely different now. It is an entertainment business. It is there to make money. Um, when you look at... You have sponsors all across the boards. Like, literally, you can't watch a fucking hockey game. Right. I saw somebody talking about how having sponsors on the jerseys is going to give them an epileptic fit. I'm very sorry if your epilepsy is that untreatable. Um, I, I don't mean to make light of it, but the jersey is not going to give you an epileptic fit. And if it does, you need to talk to your doctor about it because it's not... Being able to watch a game with the Kachina jersey is far worse. Um, but no, it's it's one of those things where and it's it's bizarre to see people who you know buy all of their things off of Amazon and spend all of their money at Target and Walmart and 
like I said, use Facebook and Twitter for everything. Uh, get mad about something else that's very capitalistic, uh, which would be sponsors on jerseys. Um, funnily enough, you look at the teams over in Europe and a large majority of those teams, yeah, they're when you look at soccer, that's a different ball game entirely. Soccer is like on another level entirely. But when you look at professional hockey overseas, there are entire teams that are owned kind of like the Green Bay Packers. Um, they're owned by cities and they're owned by small towns. And they have all these sponsors on the jerseys because it's the local businesses. And so when I see people making fun of, oh, you know, over in Europe, they're such trash. They have it all over the jersey, ruining the integrity of the game. Actually, the fans are able to go to the games on affordable ticket prices without billionaires owning them and meddling in the decisions because the town owns the team. Uh, local businesses put their sponsorships on the jerseys. You see it in, like, Finnish baseball. You see it in minor league hockey. Um, and that's how they paid the players' salaries. That's how they pay for the equipment managers and the arena workers and for the fields and the ice rinks and all that. And so it's just kind of funny seeing people get mad about literally a small logo on the side of the helmet, which, why, why do you care? I just, I don't get it. Why do you care? Well, and then seeing the Honda West division and they're like, oh, don't kid yourselves. It's going to be like that forever. So first off, I don't know if it will, because this year they they sorely need that revenue. There's no way that they were going to be able to play the season with the players agreeing to the season without doing that. People who think that it's all the greedy owners, it's the players too. The current contract bargaining agreement has a 50-50 split. And when you look at the fact that the players will have to give back part of their salaries, um, in order to get that 50-50 split if the teams don't make enough money this year. Um, sure, that doesn't mean a lot for a player like Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby or Oliver ekman Larson, but a player like, say, Michael Bunting, or who probably will get a call-up at some point this year because he's going to have to. Um, teams are going to need it. Or even a guy like Aiden Hill or a guy like, like Lawson Krause, who has been in the NHL making six figures, but still has union dues, has the NHLPA dues, has escrow. Um, these players, uh, basically the way the CBA works is you pay a certain amount of your salary on each paycheck, kind of like how federal taxes work, where a certain amount is taken out of your paycheck each, uh, each pay period. And then based on the revenue at the end of the year, based on how much you made, yada, yada, you either get more money back or you pay more, um, that money goes into an escrow account. And at the end of the year, if the league did not make their projected, like league earned revenue redistributed among the teams, uh, they take money from escrow so that the players' salaries, the, the salary cap hits a 50-50 split with the teams. Um, and if they made over the amount of revenue, then players get money back from the escrow account and there was legitimate talk that even with the escrow account, which takes like 15% or something crazy like that, they still weren't going to hit 
the right 50-50 split, in which case the way the CBA works, uh, players will have to pay a debt back to the owners every year until they meet that 50-50 split. So if a guy plays on a one-year, two-way deal this year, pays into it, uh, they don't hit a 50-50 revenue split, he's going to have to pay the league back next year and the year after that. And people are mad because there's like a small logo on a helmet keeping that from happening. Get fucked. Like, it's not hurting you in any way. Well, and it's also like a visual thing. Because if you think about it, the only thing that's bothering them is visually seeing it. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's like... I think they're not as mad about the visuals as they think they are. Well, but the thing is, like, if you think about it, how, like, and I can't even remember what it is now. It's not the Powerball power play anymore. But um, in my head, it was always the Powerball power play because it was that for a while. Oh, was, I can't even remember now. I, I just can't remember, remember the howl at the end. <laughs> Yeah, and so I can't remember exactly what it is right now, but like for but for how long was it the, the Powerball power play? When you're walking into the fucking arena, it is Gila River Arena. Like and no matter what, all of these things have you know, some type of sponsorship attached to them. You know, what whether it's mm-hmm. stuff that's throughout the game or the the in-game stuff that they're handing out to people that they're doing stuff those the sticks the players are using yeah and they're and, all using sponsored sticks or or the jerseys <laughs> themselves adidas mm-hmm. in in the NFL Nike like they all have certain deals with people and certain things like it's kind of like in the NFL they couldn't even um they had a, the the deal with Bose, I think is what it was, and someone wore Beats, and it was, like, mm-hmm. a whole giant shit show. Same thing happens in the NBA with um, sneakers. So, like, that shit has always been around. Mm-hmm. It's just, you've ne- it's never been in your face visually. You've you've heard it. Like, like I'm saying, like, you, you could hear right away. Like, you couldn't hear what the, the sponsor was now, but, like, I c- could literally, like, in my sleep hear the Powerball power play like in my sleep I could hear it but when you hear it it doesn't bother you as much as visually seeing it and I think that's that speaks a lot to society and the fact that like um one of the one of the things that I thought was very interesting about the new Wonder Woman movie was all of a sudden now that um oh god why can't I think of her name blonde Kristen Wiig yes once she became like attractive in the movie all of a sudden you know she was then more confident and more popular and everything else and I think that is essentially what people are doing here is they want their jerseys and everything else to be attractive and without mm-hmm. uh without the sponsors on them without the sponsors on them and then I also ask those of you that bitch about this are you also the ones that hate when people get tattoos because I feel like that is the same concept where people are like, oh, you're you're damaging, like, you're tarnishing your body, right? Like you're that, tarnishing my jersey. That's what I feel like they're saying, is they're like, you're tarnishing, you're throwing something, like, or I, you know, I don't want to have to have that on there. And it's just, no matter what, no matter what you're doing, I mean, shit, like, I, when I was driving today, someone had gotten their car from Carvana. How do I know? Because they left the license plate ring on it, and that said uh, Carvana. Like, everything you do in your life, whether you like it or not, is a fucking advertisement. 
That is the way that... We're never going to see soccer in hockey. And that's that's been the biggest thing I've seen is this, this argument is, oh, I don't mind it this year, but this is just, this is a stepping stone. Eventually we're going to see it like in soccer where look at the teams. They don't even have team logos anymore, which actually they do. They have a little team crest right where it's the same as the team crest that they have on like a national jersey. Uh, They just also have a sponsor on the front. And so the jerseys are completely different to begin with. But I pulled up just to to reference um, Forlunda, the Indians um, over in the SHL. Um, one of the best Swedish hockey teams across the board. They're constantly putting out elite players. Um, they have one of the coolest jerseys, not the most culturally sensitive anymore, um, but one of the cooler looking, like aesthetically looking jerseys, kind of like the Blackhawks jersey, one of those that looks cool. Um, just to see what, a team that is very sponsor heavy has done with their logo. And I'm just going to turn it and show Corey, um, even when they have, and is it as pretty to have all the sponsors stacked on the shoulders? No, not necessarily, but it's not, they haven't gone to what people think it will. And I don't think the NHL would ever hit what the SHL and the Finnish Liga and the Czech Extra Liga, I don't think we're ever going to see that level because, like I said, the structure for teams is completely different. Over there, it is the sponsors who essentially keep the teams alive in these very small towns. In the U.S. and in Canada, it's gate revenue. So we're never going to see it like that. And even there, on the ugliest of all of them where they have the most sponsors they have one two three four five six they have seven and and then they have a few on the arms but they still have the huge logo the logo is not going to go away so even if we see a patch or two i think we're going to be fine if there was one i had to complain about it is uh the mcdonald's arches on the breezers that oh on the butt that's beautiful that kills me i kind of i kind of love it and I know it's it's kind of sad for for some leagues like like in Finland Liga, um, they don't get to wear the pad design that they want because and I'll I'll pull up a picture of that. It's the way that their pads are is they're assigned pads by their team um, and they're basically given a sticker to put on top. I know a. Monique and Jocelyn Lamoureux, their older brother JP plays over and I believe he plays in Belgium right now. Um, and he was telling me about it. There's there's a sticker that they give you, like a giant sticker, and you put it on the top of your pads and it has your sponsor on it. And so they don't get to have their cool, their cool pad designs. And once again, I don't think that we're ever going to reach that point in North America, but that's that's what it looks like. I mean, they still have a cool team logo on the jerseys. They just have to put the sticker on the pads. And once again, I don't think because we get so much from the pad companies here in the U.S. from Brian's and from CCM and from Bauer, I don't think they'd ever let that fly. Um, so that's really the only the only thing that would make me like legitimately sad would be if we lost out on like the Kachina pads because we had to slap a 
a Gila River Casino sticker on it. Um, and I don't think I don't think that's something that we're ever going to see. So I think people are. I know it's not the best time to say we're getting hysterical over nothing, um, given the state of our country. But <laughs> well, I, think, I think people are getting a little upset over something that I don't think is ever going to happen. I think that that is almost exactly right, though. Like with the state that everything is at right now, it is the worst it can be. Like I mean, it, I guess it Revenue can always wise. get worse. But, but, like, for the NHL, this is probably the worst thing that they've had to experience in a very, very long yeah. time. And this is this is the length that they're going to. Like, it's really not that bad of lengths, you know? And so... Especially if you want hockey. That's, that's the bottom line. If you want hockey, if you want AHL hockey next year, that's... If you're a Tucson fan, I know there are some Tucson listeners, um... The AHL may, if anybody's going to have to do ads on jerseys and pads and stuff, I think it's going to be them. Speaking of which, um, we were we were going to talk about this initially, and and obviously we're not going to now. Or well, I guess I wanted to ask you because I, initially I told Richie that we weren't going to talk about this, but um, <laughs> I because I was going to wait for him. But you have been around the AHL team more than either of us, so. Uh, Jay Berardi is moving up into Tockett's staff. I was wondering I if you had okay. I was wondering if you had any it. opinions on that. He's so the Coyotes have obviously had Steve Sullivan um, working as their AGM, sort of guiding their AHL team for a little while now, and he's really big not just on culture but on continuity. Um, and that's when I I used to go down to the AHL couple times a season um I'd go down for at least a full weekend slate of games and then a few other times for one-off practices and games um and the biggest thing that I noticed both from from Jay and from their goaltending coach Zach Burke was that um the team at the AHL level and the team at the NHL level had this massive emphasis on continuity of systems and so like for example, the easiest one I can I can bring up is goaltending. Um, some teams use their goaltender as their first pass breakout of the defensive zone. Um, the St. Louis Blues are a huge example of that. Unfortunately, any team that has Mike Smith on their roster, a huge example of that. Um, where essentially, once you hit the hash marks, if the goaltender is able to take that puck and pass it back up, um, you let him do it. And the Coyotes shifted mentalities, um, sort of when when Mike Smith went bye bye, and uh, that's that's a very mature way of putting that bye bye. Um, and they they shifted it to a style that works a little bit better for Darcy Kemper and Auntie Ranta, which is uh, players take the puck, um, players pass it up. They are the breakout strategy. The goaltender is really supposed to stay within their crease, which for Darcy Kemper means outside of the blue paint to a small extent. Um, for Auntie Ranta means the top of the blue paint inwards. Uh, obviously, you can go behind the net to stop the puck, but you're really not supposed to go along the boards and fight those puck battles that Mike Smith desperately loved. Um, and so there really wasn't a whole lot of puck play from the goaltenders at the Coyotes level. Um, they were supposed to let the players do that and they were really supposed to just take command of their own crease and at the AHL level they did the same thing so the defenders were being taught the same thing which is 
you go behind the net to retrieve the puck um, unless the goaltender is back there by himself. If there's a player from the opposition within the offensive zone, uh, you are the one who's going back to retrieve the puck, let the goaltender stay in their crease. And they taught that at the AHL and the NHL level. So when Kyle Capobianco came up, um, when Gross came up, uh, I'm trying to think of pools got recalled last year. When Ilya Labushkin was down for a while and then came back up, that sort of thing, um, they'd been taught the same system at both levels. So they really weren't having to completely reshape what they were learning. It's not like you had a farm system that was doing its own thing and then an NHL system that you'd have to adjust to. It was kind of all being taught as an extension. And Jay was, every time I talked to him, he talked about what the players were doing right. And not in a, oh my God, really really fought some puck battles good, got got pucks in deep, really fought along the boards, uh, really physical presence, bodied guys off pucks, tried hard, loved the game. But like when he was talking about Connor Garland, uh, he would say, yeah, he watching him play, he's matured so much away from the puck. The things you see, the little things in terms of not just his passes and his touches, but the way he's watching the rest of the ice and where he's positioning himself when he's not with the puck. And when you talk to him about Capo Bianco, he mentioned concrete things that he loved that Capo Bianco was improving on, not just, oh, I think he's really, really become a good player. And so you could tell that he cared about the way his guys were progressing in a positive manner, in a realistic manner too, not just, oh, my guy's the best ever. He's going to be an NHLer. Yeah, he's, he's doing great. Um... And I think that's someone that will do well helping with what's going to be a very difficult team to coach this year. Not not just for the Coyotes, but league-wide, you have this expanded roster with a taxi squad. That's hard. You have a group of guys that are kind of your prospects, but kind of not, that are fringe guys that you are probably going to have to put into games. You're trying to keep the systems continuous. You're trying to keep everybody's morale up, keep their their skill level up, keep their development up. Um, and I think that he's perfect to have up at the NHL level doing that, just based on what I heard in Tucson. And honestly, looking at their record for the last couple of years, I think that that speaks to it. You know, I think they've they've really been a dominant force. Anyone I've talked to at the AHL level has been like, yeah, the Roadrunners have been, they're a dangerous team. Like they're a team that you expect to be a perennial playoff team. And that's the kind of coach that you want being brought up to help when you have this weird bizarre crazy expanded roster this year right so yeah that's what I was gonna say you of course have have a lot more details than I do on it and and but I was gonna say some of the same things in the fact that yeah I think it's a great idea and the fact that he is a he was discussed as a Swiss army knife of a coach like he Mm -hmm. can kind of do a little bit of everything and that's kind of what you need in that situation is someone that has um that type of diversity that can really just be what you need him to be when you need him to be it. And that is everyone very much um, on that coaching staff has very specific places that they specialize in and mm-hmm. that they like, and uh, <laughs> kept laughing because it is, it is <laughs> very, very true. true. They're all very, very specialized on certain things. And yes, they do make really good calls in certain situations, kind of like, um, uh, I don't even remember exactly what game it was, but um, changing um, the placement of the power play before I think one of the Nashville games is I think is what it was, where um, they moved uh, Phil Kessel, yes. and 
that like that was a specialized situation that really did help in that game because their power play was was trash before that but <laughs> just just, <laughs> not just straight wrong. up not wrong. and and so there it, it does pay to have people who are highly specialized like that in the fact that they can make those type of small adjustments that make big differences however in a season where you're going to have big issues all the time because you're going to have players that are getting injured because you know we have two goaltenders who are uh Famously always injured, yes. <laughs> and then you also have uh, players who could literally get COVID at the drop of a hat and then you While are... I dry cough on my coffee. <laughs> and then you are straight up screwed. So to have someone who is that diverse, I think is really helpful in the fact that he is kind of that safety blanket for the coaching staff, which is something I think they were kind of sorely missing in general, though, because of the fact that there seemed to be something missing in that coaching staff um towards the end of last a little bit yes not, i would agree not only was there a lack of cohesion i felt like in the locker room and a lack of of leadership per se but i felt like there was also a bit of cohesion that was missing on the coaching staff and so maybe adding someone else into the mix may actually help with that especially someone who can kind of connect with all all departments of it and he's he's a listener um i I'll ne- I don't think I'll ever forget. I I went down to talk to, I think I had gone down to talk to him about somebody had finally gotten healthy. It might have been Nick Merkley. And, or maybe it was, I think Nick Merkley had finally gotten healthy and Connor Garland and Michael Bunting had just gotten called up. Um, right around the time that, it, yeah, because I think it was right when I, the Coyotes played that game against the Bruins and Michael Bunting scored against them, like his first NHL goal. And Connor Garland really showed that he was like there to stay. Um, and so I asked him about the players that had obviously made these big moves. Um, there were big changes within the roster, recalls, players getting healthy. And then I said, and obviously I work for Ingle Magazine. Um, can I talk to you about the goaltending? <laughs> and he was, he nicest guy in the world super open always willing to talk uh always willing to level with you in just like a pleasant way he was like ah if i answer this one like, i'm never talking to you again i don't do goaltending um and i was like i know i'm so sorry i was like i would i would talk to berkey if i could but he's he's out on the ice right now I'll, i promise i'll bug him after can i just get a couple answers from you he was like yeah i guess so and i'm sure i still have the audio somewhere um but he even after saying, oh, I, I don't really, I don't know goaltending. I don't do goaltending. He listens to his coaching staff so much. And he listens to his players so much that he knew Aiden Hill's confidence level and his attitude. He knew the little things that were being changed with him. He was able to talk to me. He's the one who I'd obviously talked to to Zach Burke and uh, Corey Schwab a little bit about the the defense um, being the ones who retrieved the puck, the, the defense first system. Um, but then Jay was also able to talk to me a little bit about it. And he talked about the benefit that that gives the goaltender and talking about the communication that he likes hearing from his defenders to his goaltender and vice versa, you know, the things that he was liking that Aiden Hill was learning to communicate properly. And that at the time, Merrick Madsen, because he was, I believe that was when he was still the number two, what he was learning to communicate properly. And just the fact that he 
knew so much, even about the players and the position and the system that he claimed not to be an expert in. He very clearly listened to everything that his coaching staff was telling him and absorbed it in a way that really put the team together. And you saw it when you watched the Roadrunners. Um, Anybody who has had to extensively scout the AHL, first off, God bless you. That's a messy, messy league. Um, There's a lot of breakdowns and just garbage at times. But the way that he taught that team to play they're not they're not the Russian five, right? They're not that level of communication with each other, but there was a lot of fluidity to who would move up when a when a player started to fall back to retrieve the puck or was following someone. And if a defender decided that he wanted to cherry pick and fly up, um Kyle Capobianco. <laughs> the guy who does that a lot. Um, which player would fall back to just sort of take his place and just a lot of positional fluidity. And that's when you were saying it just seemed like there was something missing last year. We didn't really see as much of that as we arguably should have. Um, we saw a little bit of it from guys like Lawson Krause and Brad Richardson and some of those more defensive-minded players. I thought we missed a step of it with Derek Stepan, who used to be pretty good at it. But just the fluidity of seeing which player needed to fall back and who needed to go where when someone else was really taking their chance with the puck um, is something that the Roadrunners really, really excelled at. And if Jay is able to, you know, listen to everything that all the other coaches are teaching and saying and deploying and just kind of observe what's going on there and put it, help them put it all together, uh, I think that's a huge asset to that team that they – they were kind of lacking last year, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And um, as I, I just looked over, and we're already an hour and nine in, so there's there was a few there's a few other things that I had on on the list. So I guess kind of uh, just um, combining them all together, they they can all go under the same. Like it's it's it, I had Coyotes uh, predictions for this year: Barrett Hayton and goaltending. So you know, just out of out of that. What do you particularly predict? What are you looking for? We, we've we talked about this a lot um, on the past few episodes. I, so since you were coming on, I kind of wanted to hear what you had to say about it and see see what similarities that you had into like what you expect to see out of them this season and um, what you act, what you'd like to see and what you actually think is going to happen because as much as everyone likes to give on me and Richie as like we are the Coyotes defenders and everything we also are very practical we know what this team is capable of and we know that we can't be holding out a pipe dream here for a lot of things so um what would you like to see and um what do you actually think will happen I mean I'd I'd like to see the team make the playoffs I think they're probably I think they're a wild card team. I think that's a realistic thing to to predict. I think we're actually going to see them in the fight for the wild card. Um, I don't think we're going to see them at the bottom of the league um, or even at the bottom of the Pacific. I'm just looking at some of the other teams and specifically looking at goaltending. Um, I believe Ryan Miller just officially re-signed with um, the Anaheim Ducks, but he almost didn't play. Uh, he's like he's 40 I love him he's super nice um but what the hell (laughs) 
Uh, Jonathan Quick is a shell of his former self. Cal Peterson's still pretty unproven. There's nobody else in the King system right now. They have Matthew Villalta, who I think is good, but still needs a year or two of age all time. So I don't know what they think is happening there. Um, I don't know what the Sharks think is happening. <laughs> they've got they've got Devin Dubnik and Martin Jones, two of the nicest guys in the league, who couldn't stop the beach ball last year. Um, you've got obviously the Golden Knights, who are going to be fantastic. The the Avalanche, who in all seriousness, their goaltending was kind of a question mark by the end of last year. Neither of their goaltenders could stay very healthy. Um, and then we've got the Wild, who Alex Stalock is apparently out long term. Um, so they've got Cam Talbot, and and they've got Capo Kakinen, who uh, a Finnish source told me that, uh, I, and I quote, I think his parents were bears or some fucking shit. Um, because he's got the strongest fucking legs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, so a, a powerhouse, but a very choppy looking goaltender who kind of made it work last year, but has some exploitable holes in his mobility level with those tree trunk legs. Um, <laughs> and once again, a huge question mark there. Um, and then the St. Louis Blues, who decided that they were going to roll with a with Jordan Bennington this year, and then Ville Husso, who was barely a league average AHL goaltender last year. Um, and now they have to do that over a, what, 100-day 56-game season. So good luck, guys. Um, I think the Coyotes are as in it as anyone else because um, this year is going to be such a shit show. Um, Absolutely. Biggest question is obviously going to be injuries. Um, this team needs to figure that out. Uh specifically from a goaltending perspective. Um, Auntie I, Ranta gets the brunt of the blame there. Um, from from myself as well, I think I've expressed frustration on here that he cannot seem to stay healthy. Um, neither can Darcy Kemper, though. Unfortunately, Darcy Kemper's gotten injured not quite as many games worth as Auntie Ranta, but he's had just about as many injuries. And that's that's a huge red flag. They both need to get it together. And Aiden Hill, if they can't get it together, because inevitably one of them is going to get hurt, Aiden Hill needs to step it up in his consistency level. Not his quality. His first few games, he's stellar. But each season, after those first few games, he panics a little bit when he has a bad game, and he starts to slip. And we cannot see that this year. So that's a huge question mark for me. Um Obviously, injuries on the skater side. Seeing whether or not Alex Goligoski and Nick Jalmerson can handle this kind of workload. Um, with no disrespect to either of them. I think they're workhorses, but it's going to be a really hard season. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, if he can stay healthy. Uh, Nick Schmaltz, if he's fully recovered from, from the concussion this this offseason. Um, we've got guys like, uh, like Derek Broussard coming in. I think he's phenomenal. I'm super excited about that. Uh, I don't know if he's super healthy anymore. Uh, Phil Castle. Let's hope he used his nine months off to finally get healthy because 70% Phil Castle is not going to cut it this year. Um, I think some consistency from guys like Connor Garland and Clayton Keller won't be a huge issue because it's a smaller season. If you think about both of them came out of the gate really excited and it was kind of once the season wore on that we saw some fatigue and we saw some sloppy play from both. Um, we've got a hundred days. 
they this is a sprint for them, not a marathon. Um, so I'm a little less worried about the two of them. Curious to see how Christian Dvorak's going to do in, in an increased role, but I think we see those question marks from every team this year, with the exclusion of the Colorado Avalanche. They have one of the scariest rosters I've ever seen in my life outside of their goaltending. So, well, and that's and that's going to be it too. Is it's going to be interesting to see if goaltending wise, if they are capable in the shortened season to both become injured, because if that's the case, then they will have set some type of record. I mean, I still hold a grudge against Darcy Kemper because I finally got to go to a game as a fan. And when I finally got to go to a game as a fan, it had to be that Minnesota game where uh, he was basically eventually just got torched in that game. Both goaltenders were getting torched. And I was wondering why he was still even in the game, and then he got injured. I I still hold a grudge from that. And and we all know how easily uh, Auntie Ronta gets hurt. So it's, it's one of those situations that if they can't even get through a shortened season without one of them being healthy, what are we doing here? That is, that is my giant question I have. And, and I, and the other thing too, is they had added to that bottom six. And, and I always bring this up because I think it's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard that it was, um, that he decided to call them, um, and, and I appreciate, you know, as, as a new GM coming in and trying to um, embrace Arizona, but in, but calling these additions to the bottom six as prickly. And yes. oh, I, I bring oh, I bring this up all the time because I still think it was the funniest shit I've ever heard. I completely heard. forgot about them, by yes. the way. Uh, I, I wonder if it will help a little bit in the fact that certain teams like the avalanche like um the knights who are heavier teams that do normally just bully this team like yeah all the time if it will help having a little bit more grit in the bottom so the top six isn't necessarily just getting worked all the time i think it's going to depend on how that grit that gritty addition to the team how they skate and that sounds that sounds funny, but I, I think, and this is this is on me for not watching enough scouting tape on them to know. But uh, you look at some of the heavier, grittier guys from some of these other teams, and even if they are not the fastest skaters, they are passable NHL skaters. And unfortunately, the Coyotes in the past have occasionally taken on some of those quote grittier guys who cannot skate. And if you can't keep up with the guy who's trying to hit Clayton Keller, it doesn't matter if you're out there or not. If you can't catch him, so sad, too bad, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's crazy to me. Um, I think the biggest, really the biggest question mark is just going to be whether or not the team positionally, kind of like we were saying, that that little missing thing last year where they just couldn't seem to, they, did, they didn't look fluid at times. And they need that fluidity to give Clayton Keller a little bit of extra space. Um, You look at a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, he's not playing an aggressive game. He's being given the space by his teammates, understanding positionally where he needs some ice opened up. And I just don't think we saw enough of that last year. Um, 
seeing guys like Christian Dvorak really communicating well, seeing a guy like Oliver ekman Larson communicating well when he when he does cherry pick, because Eric Carlson does the same thing and he's still considered pretty great. Uh, it's just I think there was there was some fluidity missing last year, just some communication issues, and that more than anything else, putting your gritty players in the right spot, giving the open ice space, so on and so forth. That's that's going to be the biggest thing for them. And if they can't communicate like that, I don't think it'll matter how yeah. many heavy players they add, how many young guys they add, how many Bill Kessels they add. I I think they'll still be kind of kind of lost. Yeah. It, and then, like, not to hold everyone up, this, this may be one of our, our longer episodes in a long time, but I, I did want to fit one more thing in, which is Barrett Hayton. What? I didn't even mention him. Fuck me. <laughs> what? Uh, what are you thinking? Because I, I was thinking, I have gone over on the podcast um, kind of what they've done with him, considering the fact of you know and I know and Richie knows what I know. Um, that's the very vague way of me saying that, of like, of, of kind of what was going on behind the scenes with him. Um, and so, but you can speak a lot more freely than I can. So mm. do, do you, um, <laughs> what, um, what do you think, what do you predict to see from him? Because maybe I'll give it a little background on what I've said so far is that, um, that basically, um, they were they've been very cautious with him. They've mm-hmm. basically taken him and they've been very concerned about his confidence level and about his basically they don't want him to have a sophomore year of Keller where Keller completely just which in fairness, I think if a player has a sophomore season like Clayton Keller that's not a terrible thing because he still had forty five points. But it was still it was a disappointment. A, but it yeah. was a confidence killer for him. And so one of the things that they were very worried about Barrett Hayton coming in is he was very young, very naive, very raw. So they wanted to make sure that he had the confidence. And I mean, like you know, we we we'd both seen him up in like the press box watching these games and being there and constantly like making sure that he was getting. Um, the style down the what it's I and I was kind of talking about in last episode there is a massive speed difference each level of hockey that you go up to you have to be able to adjust to that speed and to adjust to that environment and those systems and everything else and you'd kind of touched on that like it helps um that our AHL team you know teaches those same structures and systems and the fact that they're so when they come there's not a uh, disconnect there but for someone like Barrett Hayton coming in, it was it was going to be difficult for him to just step on the ice. He was not NHL ready right off the bat, and they so they nurtured him. I I think very cautiously and very properly. That's and, the thing. I don't think it was overly cautious. I think it was it was actually pretty smart. Um, I think we're going to see a step forward for him, um, just because I don't think I don't think they did rush him right. Like you're saying, I think they they were not even just cautious they were just they paced him and that's that's huge um you see what teams have done with some other guys where they just throw them in and they look 
they flounder and they have no idea what they're doing. Um, unfortunately, uh, Lawson Krause, <laughs> not with the Coyotes. Um, I thought they did a really good job with him too, taking a look back at his stats. Um, he got drafted, you know, 10th overall, 11th overall, sorry, in 2015. Um, and then the Florida Panthers, uh, after his final OHL season, dumped him right in. He played 75 NHL games and did not go down to the AHL his first season. And that's bonkers to me. Uh, so he played 72 games, had 12 points. That's that's hard for a guy um, when you're trying to figure it out and you're very clearly not getting a chance to figure it out. And so the Coyotes, their second year, they, they gave him 11 games. And then he spent the entire season in the AHL, he played 56 games, scored 32 points, got a chance to see some of those repetitions in front of the net. And then when he was brought up the next year, he played 81 games, 11 goals, 25 points. So he had almost the same stat line as he did in his AHL season the year prior. Um, he had 15 goals and 32 points in the AHL. So he jumped up to 11 goals, 25 points. And the following year, so this last year in 66 games, so in my math is really bad. Um, <laughs> that's uh, I'm that's five, 15. In 15 fewer games, um, he scored four more goals and hit the same number of points. So he had 15 goals, 25 points in 66 games. Uh, that's fantastic. That's the right way to develop a player. And that's kind of what they did with Barrett Hayton last year. They gave him a little bit of a taste. And then he got to go play at the World Juniors. Uh, the year prior, he... You know, he'd spent 20 games with the team, got a chance to watch them, got to practice with them, and then went back to the OHL and tore it up. He was unbelievable. Um, last year, we saw Hayden get a chance to play in the AHL for five games after he got healthy. Um, had five points in five games, very clearly does not need to be in the AHL. He is at an NHL caliber of playing. Um he only had a goal in four points in 20 games in his first season. Um, I don't think that's necessarily even, that's not even technically a rookie season. He'll, he'll still technically be a rookie next year. Um, but for perspective, uh, Brad Marchand, his first NHL season, played 20 games, had one point. And then his following year, he broke out. And so giving a player 20 games to just, watch and try and figure it out and see what see what your teammates do and interact with them and practice with them and still get a chance to play with them on the ice um that's huge and then we obviously saw him at the international level step into a leadership role um a quieter leader you know he's not he's not an Alex Ovechkin he's not overly flashy about being a captain but I think he could potentially be a future team captain for the Coyotes um and then he'll just he'll ease his way into into his current role. I think it's nice that they traded Derek Stepan as much as I liked him. He was a huge leader in the room. Um, he was kind of taking Barrett Hayden's spot <laughs> in the nicest way possible. He was kind of taking Barrett Hayden's spot, and uh, by moving him somewhere else, um, they not only freed up cap space, they freed up a spot for Hayden, and I think that's that's huge. He's not going to be in a position where if he doesn't play perfectly, he's getting shuffled out to the wing. So that's my two cents.
No, I, and I mean, that's what how, basically how we felt too after um, Stefan got traded. It was, it, it left room for him. And then the fact that when you bring in Broussard and he can, he can play both center and wing. So he's more of, he's a little more versatile there. Yeah. Thank you. That was the word I was thinking of. And I just, it wasn't coming out of my mouth. So I'm really glad that you said that. Um, <laughs> I read your mind. <laughs> but so uh, I'm glad that we were able to, to bring in, um, someone that's a lot more versatile in that way and really give Barry Hayton that opportunity because, yeah, I, I mean, probably if there's any other person that I, that I know that was able to see that process go down of, like, how cautious they were with him, mm-hmm. that you would be one of those people that really saw that. And it's just – it's it's really cool. So I'm really hoping that there's great things out of him. I I mean – I think he's going to be amazing. I, yeah, I hope so. That's why, like, I, I never – get too hyped on anything that comes with Arizona sports because you never really know what's going to come out of it. But Well, and he played at, uh, for Ilves Tampere over in Finland for a handful of games before training camp started with uh, Matthias Macelli, which is very clearly not a Finnish person. Um, <laughs> I was say, it sounds very he looks like He me. looks like Vinny Hinnestroza, um in a Finnish jersey, but they played together over in Ilves, um, and uh, Michelli is obviously still over there right now, um, and on that team, he's currently third in scoring. Um, he is a 19-year-old on the Liga roster, which is the highest level in Finland. Um, he has seven goals and 20 points in 23 games, which I think is pretty okay as a winger. Um, so... He got to play with a future teammate, hopefully. Because I would love to see a tiny little Finnish boy running around out there with the Coyotes in a couple of years. <laughs> but the, if, you know, wait, how how tiny is he? He's 5'11", 165 pounds. Ah, that's really, I mean... Connor Carlin size. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, there's there's people that are picking up that are like 5'9", so we're okay. I, I, think that, not that. I think that 5'11", 165 could potentially be generous. Um, we obviously want to take any numbers with a grain of salt. Um, there's nobody listed on their roster who's below five foot nine. Um, didn't they? Didn't, having, wasn't there a tweet that was out going out that was saying that like someone on the Penguins has been progressively getting shorter as like the years have gone on? They've corrected his height. <laughs> They've been correcting it. Yeah. It's funny, we see other guys, they correct it, and a lot of goalies mysteriously become six feet tall once they once they hit the NHL, um, and they are not in real life. But there's no way, um, I have friends that are from Finland, there's no way that their entire roster is over five foot nine. There's no way. So. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a thing, is then you, <laughs> until you're in a locker room standing next to them in high heels and... And you're taller than them. Yeah, and yeah. Then, then you start thinking to yourself, because I'm five you six, do the math. You're... You do the math based on your heel size and your actual height, and you're like, all right, are you wearing shoes right now? Yeah, okay. So, hmm. Although the scariest okay. thing in my life I've ever seen was Zdeno Chara on skates. <laughs> And I was in high heels, and damn, I was like, God, these. this was the day for the six-inch heels, and I didn't wear them. And, like, because I would have died if I would have spent, like, an entire day in, in those heels. But, I mean, like, that was the day I should have worn it because it was, like... I had to interview Ben Bishop in ballet flats because I was four and a half months pregnant, so I was not wearing heels. Um, and he would not sit down for the interview. 
I asked him if he would, if we could sit and he said no. So we stood. He was very tall. It was very hard to hear. <laughs> so there's, there's those. And then there's other people that like, I, I will not mention on this podcast that when you walk by them in person, um, they, they seem very, very short to you. Mark Arcabello. Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, Corey's saying that Clayton Keller seems very small to her in real life. Um, I didn't. I didn't want it on audio. <laughs> uh, I, let me let me go on record as saying so. He's listed at five ten. I think that's probably within an inch of being correct. Um, I'm, I'm less confident. Five six and I'm, I'm less. I'm less confident in Auntie Ranta's listed height because he's listed at six feet and he's not two inches taller than Clayton Keller. Um, but I'd also love to remeasure you at some point because for the listeners, Corey says she's five six. She's very tall. Um <laughs> I, I swear to god I am five six. Corey's like five ten. Don't listen to her. <laughs> That's so um, not true. My mom's five nine and I'm so much shorter than her. You're the same height as her. No, I'm not. I swear to god. Oh my gosh, people, I will once we, I will post a picture of me and my mother together. Once we uh I just tried to, by the way, I just tried to search Facebook in the search tab of Facebook, um, which is not correct. Well, this is, this is kind of why we're drinking coffee this late. Okay, I'm She's in, tall. I am in heels in that. That was, wow. and those weren't short heels. That was college graduation, so I was in high-ass heels that day. Were your heels that tall at graduation? I thought yours weren't that tall. I only wear stripper heels for uh, <laughs> for for uh, good occasions. I'm I'm sure those were probably about five inches. I'm trying to find the Corey's ones I wear. high school graduation picture or college graduation pictures because uh because I was there and I don't remember you seeming like was, they were that tall. They were probably like they're probably like five inches. Um, the ones I wear around the rink are more like, they're, they're boot heels, so they're more like three, I would probably say-ish. For the I, listeners, Corey posts a lot of pictures on Facebook. Uh, not Scrolling anymore. I don't through. really go on Facebook anymore. Uh, like. You wore taller heels on that day, though. I, I was just wearing boot he- heels that day. Oh, that, I wasn't wearing heels. I was wearing flat boots You were that wearing day. flat boots. I was like, See, I'm not that much shorter. She's now going through and, and looking at pictures of me and her together to, to determine how tall I am. I, I swear to you guys, I try not to talk about cert, certain things on this podcast. But um, I swear to I swear to God, standing next to Clayton Keller, like they were they were straight up three inch heels. I was taller than him. I, I'm I'm not trying to I I will get in trouble for probably calling out the the height of Clayton Keller, but I swear to God he is not. He, I was taller than him, and I was in like three inch, just like ankle boot heels. We'll have to carry this on once we finish recording. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're, we're gonna finish this conversation um, off of all this, but I I would like to thank cat for coming on and derailing you completely i know can you tell how uncomfortable i am now um but uh she may be tall but she's beautiful 
Tall you. is beautiful. Thank you. No, I, I somewhat wish I was a little bit taller. Then I would have more more space to eat more crap. Because then, <clears> you know, <throat> then when you gain weight, you, it doesn't really matter because you've got a lot of height to it. Then there, I would have more space to eat more crap. I love Yeah, you. like there would be more time for me to eat in and out burger. But I like, love you. <laughs> so, you know, I just need to grow a couple more inches just so I can eat some more in and out burger. That's honestly it. Um, but, I mean... I, I say this as I, I work in fitness during the day. So, um, you know, I'm always trying to be as, as fit as I humanly can. But um, it's it's really not. I'm, I'm not calling myself fat if that's so you guys don't have to worry about that. Um, but um, God, I just feel like I'm going down this rabbit hole now. I'm staring like at all these photos of me. Um, which also makes me very uncomfortable. So you're I, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> but but so thank you, Kat, for uh, coming on. I mean, that was honestly the the dopest conversation I think we could have had about hockey, and it was uh, one of the coolest things actually, as like two females just sitting down and having like a really in deep conversation about hockey, and it was it was pretty detailed. Like, I don't even think Richie and I have gotten this detailed in, in a long time. So dang, I'm this the is golden standard. <laughs> so thank you for coming on and filling in for Richie. Like he's probably almost, I would say he's passed out, but he, he stays up really late, but he's had such a long day today. So, but you guys will hear back from him on Thursday. And, um, for cats, I am Corey, and for Richie, good night and good hockey, everybody.